Welcome to the Blunderbuss. We're driving all over Australia, meeting some fantastic leaders who'll share some painfully honest stories about their moments of failure and what they've learned. The Blunderbuss has now been downloaded over 7,000 times, making it the world's most popular podcast about leadership failure recorded on a bus. You've probably worked out by now that the magic secret when it comes to failure is the ability to reflect on mistakes and learn. And that's what I do in my work as a pastoral supervisor, which I do through my organization, Generation Leadership. If you're looking for a pastoral supervisor to help you reflect on your work and ministry practice, I currently have some openings. So go to my website, generationleadership.com.au to find out more. I'd love to work with you and provide a safe space to reflect on what you are currently doing and what you can learn. So check it out. Today, the blunderbuss has driven to the beautiful Mornington Peninsula in Victoria, where the sun is shining, there's not a cloud in the sky, and I'm speaking to Kylie Butler, Director of the Executive Leaders Program and Director of Coaching at Arrow Leadership Australia, and you might know Kylie in her previous role as the Managing Director of Christian Coaching, the Christian Coaching Institute. Hey, Kylie. Hey, Ed. Great to have you on the bus. Thank you so much for having me. It is great to be here. Love chatting with you. Yeah, absolutely. Love chatting with you too. Hey, you know, a lot of people know you as a coach and know you as a supervisor to lots of people in business and ministry. So I guess that means it would be pretty rare for you to make a leadership mistake, (laughs) given that you are the guru of coaching and, you know, master of supervision and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I can't imagine that you've ever made a mistake. Well, that... I wish that was true. Ed. No, it's not true. 100% oh, okay. not true. Yeah, oh, you're yeah. on the right bus then. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, probably with a, a lot of leaders, I'd be on the bus with too. So, <laughs> so what would you like to talk about today, Colin? Um, I lo- I'd love to talk around the enneagram, uh, but particularly my enneagram three and how that um, uh, outworks itself in a um, an unhealthy way sometimes, and particularly mm. that it's connected with my strengths finder, uh, which is, you know, my top two are maximizer and achiever. And you mix that with the Enneagram 3, which is known as the achiever or the efficiency, can um, have some healthy but also some really unhealthy consequences. Okay, well, we might need to unpack that a little bit because we haven't talked about Enneagram on the blunderbuss before. Um, Enneagram 3, uh, you know, there are nine different types, aren't there? There are. There yeah. are nine different types, yeah. But I think it's been, like, scientifically proven that number three is the best one. Of course. <laughs> you and I are both threes then. <laughs> you bet. You bet. And we get stuff done, Kylie. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> All those other people are thinking and, I don't know, feeling and stuff, and we get stuff done. Achieving. Tell us, stuff. Yeah. Achieving. So, Kylie, what's what's Enneagram? So Enneagram, it's uh, it's actually probably about a thousand years old. It's kind of made a resurgence over the last 20 or so years. And really it looks at motivations and kind of what our core motivations are. So it looks at kind of, you know, it has these nine different ways that we kind of outwork ourselves or or we are motivated. So say something like a Myers-Briggs or a DISC, much more look at um your, I guess, external, how you prefer to see the world or yes. how you prefer to work. Yes. Whereas your Enneagram looks at your motivation, so that inner side of things. So looking at heart, head and gut and what is your motives or the way that you function. So Enneagram is kind of based off your first 20 years and how you 
coped with the world in your first wow. 20 years. Wow. Whereas, say, your Myers-Briggs much more looks at your natural space. Um, Enneagram much more looks at your nurture, your first kind of 20 years of life or so. And so it looks at, well, how did you get through your first 20 years? What were some of those key uh, ways of functioning, healthy and unhealthy ways of functioning in your first 20 years? And they then outwork themselves over the rest of your life. And yeah. so there's some healthy bits to that and some unhealthy bits. So it kind of looks at nine different ways of which you are motivated or your outlook on life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very popular, it seems to me, in a lot of kind of religious, spiritual, Christian, mm. so on settings. It's used by a lot of different yeah. um, um, organisations and whatever. So contrary to what we did suggest before, uh, there is no better uh, way, you know, um, despite the somewhat, you know, <laughs> self-promoting nature of uh, Enneagram 3s. Um, but you are a number three, so so uh, just tell us what that means. Yeah, um, in a, um, a sense I, I love to achieve, I love to get stuff done, I love to be seen as successful um, and to kind of have that appearance. So, um, I, it's there is some really great things around a three in being able to achieve you know things faster and further and quicker than um, other people can because other people can kind of look at you and how on earth can you get all of that stuff done? You're like, oh, that's easy. Like you just work out good systems and processes and you know time management skills to be able to do that. Uh, some of the unhealthy sides of a three is I recognise that I'm quite image conscious. Um, so how I am perceived in the world. And um, it was probably about 10 years ago or so, actually, a number of my team members would say to me, I just don't feel like we know you. I don't feel like we can, you know, we don't know who you are or what you stand for. You kind of ask everybody else these questions, but we actually don't know what your opinion is or what what you think about this or who you actually are. And I'm like, what do you mean? Mm. Um, I, I, it, it actually didn't make sense to me until um, actually it was a, a great coaching session with a colleague um, called Dave a number of years ago. And it was, it was a confronting session, really being able to confront how others see me and how I saw myself and recognising, ah, I am putting up this veneer uh, or this mask um, that I didn't even recognise I had. It was it was a protection mechanism. It was a way of coping with the world. And uh, it meant that actually other people couldn't get to know who I was um, or what I thought. And so it took a um, significant, painful coaching session to kind of break through and help me to go actually being authentic and vulnerable and out of control and not have everything you know, set up and organised and planned and being seen as successful is actually okay. Uh, and that kind of began me on the path of recognising what my strengths were in particular maximizer and achiever and also got me to understand the Enneagram 3 to go, ah, this isn't necessarily a healthy way to lead, to lead with a veneer or to lead with a mask uh, and that people couldn't actually get to know who I was, what I thought or what I believed. And, you know, in that, like, in the people understood the bigger picture, but actually what was going on in my heart, what was going on in my head, um, if I, you know, so those sort of things were popping up maybe about 10 years ago. I can imagine that being confusing for people around you, Kylie, because 
I know you to be, you know, happy, friendly, you know, fun, you know, all that kind of thing. And I'm sure, you know, people think, oh, Kylie, you know, she's, you know, uh, yeah, great to have around and very engaging and all that sort of thing, uh, which I think is true. And yet you're saying there's something other than that that's mm. really gone. It's it's some more essential, more personal, and you yeah. use the word about vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's what you weren't doing, like being vulnerable? Well, I just I just knew that I could walk into a room, I can observe the room really quickly and put on the mask of what's required in the room. Yeah. Now, that can be really helpful for leadership because if, you're, you know, if your life's falling apart, it's not great that if you're leading and you're falling apart in front of them, but there's spaces and places for you to be able to do that. But I held the mask up all the time. Yeah. So I could walk into a team meeting and know what was required of me in that team meeting. I could walk into a, you know, a brand new room and I can read the room and people really quickly and know what's required of me and adapt my posture, my style into that space. And so, but what that meant was actually the people closest to me, my team, um, to a certain extent, even my family, they, they couldn't get, well, I was always wearing a mask. I actually didn't know how to take it down. Mm. I didn't know how to not wear it or, um, and to be vulnerable uh, around that, what I really thought to be authentic in who I was and what I was really thinking or experiencing because kind of three, we don't really do emotions. <laughs> well, at least I don't. <laughs> but I can, I can help other people experience that space. But for me, I kind of went, well, emotions are, are inefficient. They just get in the way of me being successful and achieving. So why would I do them? And it wasn't until realizing actually these things are helpful. <laughs> I need to <laughs> I need to look at um, I need to look at these. I need to recognize what these are doing because if I continue on the path th- that I was going on, I was going to end up a very shallow, unhealth, unhealthy, um, and veneered person yeah. rather than someone who could be you know be me and be yeah. authentic as to how God's created me to be. Yeah, so you can see the the short term benefit, but the long term danger yeah. of, of that, you know. And it reminds me too. Uh, you and I are both familiar with Henry Cloud's book Integrity, part yeah, of the yeah. Arrow program. And you know, the number one thing that um, the first thing that that Cloud talks about in Leaders of Integrity is being authentic, mm. by which he means you know being known uh, and and letting yourself be known and yeah. knowing other people. Um, and that, that's the sort of thing you're talking yeah. about there. So you had this moment of awareness, right, in a coaching session with yes. Dave and the light goes on. Yep. That, that doesn't change your behaviour, does it? Now you're no. self-aware, but you haven't changed. So, <laughs> so what's the journey from self-awareness oh. to actual different behaviour? Different behaviour. Um, I think the first thing I did, uh, because it was, it was such a confronting moment, like I can picture exactly where I was when this coaching session happened. Um, So the first thing after that is I shared that with my, um, at the time I was in partnership with um, another guy, so we were doing coaching stuff together. So I shared it with him um, as a, you know, fellow director and unpacked that with him. And then I shared it with my team to actually kind of go, and of course, shared it with family um that would have been the first space but if i think around that workspace that was the space that i found the hardest yeah to actually break down the mask and the veneer and so intentionally choosing to speak it out and intentionally saying to my team i actually don't know how to do this right and when um, you say you shared it mm. yeah what, what's the content of it? 
Oh, I shared that I had no idea that I was and I that I was wearing a mask. And yeah. you know, I and because a couple of those team members were the ones that had said to me, Kai, we don't know who you are. Like we we can't, don't feel like we can get to know who yeah. Kai is. And that was so, a shock for you, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, it literally made no sense to me. No. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I can't comprehend what you're meaning. I don't understand what you mean. Um, Finally, this is kind of hilarious because I could tell you an almost identical story has a slightly different nuance, but exactly the same kind of thing where I, you know, I have this moment in my family and in my leadership where I think I have a similar kind of moment and I think, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm a nice guy. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> And so for me, it was then a process of um, choosing to be vulnerable and authentic. Okay. Um, when things, so I would, I would actually have to think about what yes. I was going to say or what, what I needed to say and things. So then, you know, in the years following, we had some really significant leadership um, things within the organisation and so it actually took me kind of saying, all right, I need to think about, you know, how do I share authentically here? What, what do I actually feel about this? So I would need to kind of do that inwards journey to recognise, okay, what do I actually think and feel about this? Spend some time there before I could then speak it out because it wasn't something that was front of mind. Yes. Um, so I needed to really think that through before I spoke it out, but it was a... And it's still a journey, right? Um, right. I, it's not something that you can go, ah, oh, you know. Sorted. Yeah, it, it's not. I still recognise I can walk into a room and that's part of, I guess, my, you know, there's a strength in that. You can walk into a room and be and do what's required. Um, but I need to, there are times where I don't want to share with my team or, you know, key people what I'm really thinking and feeling and I, I've got to intentionally go, no, Kylie, this is important for you to share this. And so, so you're sharing, like, yeah, what you feel about mm. this particular issue, problem, crisis, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling these things. Yeah. That's what you're sharing. Yeah. And it's an, it's an intentional choice because yes. it, it, it still doesn't come naturally. No, it's not going to be your go-to, right? No. 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 no but I recognise it's a important for leadership. It's important for team. It's important for integrity and, and you know, uh, um, the book talks around the wake, the wake that we leave behind. It's important right. for my wake yeah. that I am, you know, vulnerable and, you know, Brene Brown talks around this. I find her so challenging. Yes. To her. yes. So I have listened and read to a whole heap of her stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's an intentional space that I have to push into. So, you know, let me ask you this question. Like, you know, leadership is all about getting stuff done, and achieving and you know whatever and you're good you're good at that and like does it really matter if people know what you're feeling about stuff you know does anyone really care like what's what's how is a team worse off if you're not sharing what you feel like where's the downside for them that's a great question um because i think you know i think to you know you're kind of out of circle those that we serve well, that it is important that we just get the stuff done, that we do the work that we promised we'd say we'd do. But when we're thinking around our team, um, particularly in the culture and the context that we lead in, um, authenticity and vulnerability is important in this culture and this time. Uh, it is kind of the currency of leadership. Yeah. Is authenticity and vulnerability. And 
um, uh, people don't respond well to leaders who think they have it all together, no. who, um, you know, go, ah, oh, you know, they, they have no issues or no problems or no, you know, leadership blunders. Um, people actually follow leaders who are, um, who's, um, who they are lines up with what they say. Yeah. And if I'm going to be leading and teaching others to be vulnerable, authentic, real, and, and in, in alignment, well, then I need to be leading that way too, mm. but it's just harder for me to do. Um, I think it, that character and competence has to sit together. People won't follow someone in that. They'll only follow them for so far until they yeah. out that their character isn't quite right. And, and, you know, Cloud puts it in the context of trust, you know, that, yeah. that you won't generate. People won't trust you if they think, I don't know who this guy is, who this woman yeah. is. You know, there's there's a mask and I can't ever get behind yeah. it. And Incongruent, yeah. Yeah. And I, it really struck me when I read that book because he talks about trust in that way. And, you know, typically we talk about trust as, you know, I'm telling you the truth, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not being deceptive in mm. some intentional kind of way. And he's going, yeah, but there's a little bit more to it than that, mm. you know. Uh, I also want to know, actually, at some point, who you are. Who you are, yeah. yeah. Hey, this is pretty uh, intense, Kylie. This is not just yeah. about leadership skills, right? This is not just being able mm. to read P&Ls better and, you know, <laughs> being better and stuff like that. This is very much about one's personhood. Yes. Really. Yeah. So Absolutely. what are your reflections on that? You know, like that, I, I guess it's the obvious thing. It's pretty important in leadership, isn't it, who you yeah. are? Yeah. Absolutely. It's not just around the competence of what we do as leaders. You know, can we run a team meeting? Can we read a profit and loss? Um, but it's around who we are as a person and our character. Um, and particularly as a follower of Jesus, that sense of character is so critical to who I am. Am I leading out of that space? Is my character line up with my words yeah and I recognize that my character was not lining up with my words um and so it's a key part the the moment we lose trust or the moment we lose um the who somebody is we just don't we, we don't follow them anymore we don't uh read their stuff or yeah. um whatever comes out we're like yeah I'm out um so whereas when you've got trust with someone there's discretionary effort, there's appreciation, there's understanding, there's love for yeah. people in that yeah. space. Yeah, really interesting. So, Kylie, final question. Uh, what have you learned about leadership failure as a result <laughs> of all this? Um, well, that I don't have it all together and that I can't achieve everything. <laughs> <laughs> But as you pointed um, out, the important thing is looking like you can achieve everything. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's important. That's exactly right. No. <laughs> achieving is important, but looking like you're achieving is even more important. Oh, I wish that were true, but it's um, that actually we need to do the two pieces of, well, I mean, at least two pieces of leadership development. There's skills yeah. and competence that we need to grow as leaders, but there's also character integrity that we need to grow in who we are as a leader as well as what we do. So there's two pieces as a, as a leader we need to consider, not just what we do but actually who we are. And I think we can be great at skills and competence of a leader 
But if our character is icky, but yeah, you know, it's all over really. But if we can be a, a character, a leader of character and choose to intentionally grow our skills, well, you know, our team is, will be more gracious up until a point because of who we are and we can continue to develop the skills as a leader. I think our character is much more important than our confidence. Thanks to Kylie Butler for sharing her leadership journey and what she's learned. And thanks to you for being part of the Blunderbuss journey. Uh, I'd love it if you would subscribe and rate the Blunderbuss. It actually helps more people know about it. So go to our website at www.generationleadership.com.au to find out more about pastoral supervision. And I'll see you next time on the Blunderbuss. Bus.